You're listening to From the Pulpit by Sakhlain. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Bukhari states that Imam Ali wanted to marry the daughter of Abu Jahl while he was married to Lady Fatima alayhi salatu wassalam. Is that true? Once again, it is such a disheartening reality that instead of speaking about the merits of Fatima to Zahra, instead of showcasing the example of Fatima to the world, instead of telling women around the world that their leader, they couldn't pick one better than Fatima, that we would have to be dragged into the quagmire that is created by the Salafis and the Wahhabis. Because when they're not chopping heads off, they have nothing else to do than to come up with these lies and these deceptions. As Sayyid Al-Kharsan, who's a scholar from the holy city of Najaf, who passed away recently, rahmatullah he's actually written a lengthy compendium about this specific misconception, about this lie, refuting it in a very methodical and systematic manner. But I will try and summarize <clears throat> as best as I can within the short time that I have. Al-Bukhari narrates, subhanAllah, I mentioned this last time I was here, He's got a chapter dedicated to the virtues and merits of Fatima to Zahra. In that entire chapter, he only mentions two short ahadith. So, what this tells you is that Bukhari wasn't too concerned about the merits of Fatima to Zahra. He couldn't care less. Fatima to him was a footnote in his book. And yet, despite that, he takes this one hadith, he cuts it up, and he reports it in five different parts of his book. Why does he do that? Number one, he wants to make, to create the illusion that this hadith is narrated by multiple individuals. Number one. Number two, by copying the hadith and cutting it up and mentioning it under different headings, he maximizes the potential for the hadith to be read. And for this to become common knowledge. So what is the hadith? And before I mention mention the actual hadith, it's important to also mention this point. When you speak about the attack, the ambush on the house of Fatima al-Zahra, alayha salatu wassalam, you often hear from the other side this argument. They say, but this is an insult to Ali ibn Abi Talib. The fact that Ali would be attacked and his home would be ambushed, and he doesn't respond appropriately, he doesn't fight back, is what? That's a, an insult to Ali, they tell us. Ali was too courageous, he was too powerful to just sit by and watch his wife being ambushed and attacked, right? In other words, they make you think that they believe Ali was too lofty, his position was too high for him to be accused of just sitting idly by. They make you, they're trying to make you think that they actually venerate Ali ibn Abi Talib to the point where they just can't believe this to be true. But let's look at what this hadith actually does. 
the story of Amir al-Mu'mineen trying to get married to the daughter of Abu Jahl insults three individuals. The first is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And I'll explain why. The second is Amir al-Mu'mineen. And that's the reason why this hadith is reported over and over again in their books. The third is Fatima al-Zahra, Ruhi Fida. How? The hadith says that one day, Fatima al-Zahra marched into the masjid where the Prophet was sitting on the pulpit. Listen carefully for just a few moments. Imagine the Holy Prophet is on the pulpit, Fatima al-Zahra, the daughter of the messenger, charges right in. Then she screams at the top of her lungs and addresses the Holy Prophet. She says, There is a group of people who claim that you don't defend your daughters. Right off the bat, is this how Fatima spoke to her father? Is this what you learn, what you gather from the traditions that talk about the relationship of Fatima to Zahra with Rasulullah? That she would come out in public, in broad daylight, in the masjid, filled with men, and Fatima screaming at her father like this? Number one, some of the wives of the Prophet spoke to him like that. Yeah, absolutely. They mention in their books about the story of Ifk and how Aisha was accused of indecency and how she says that everyone left me because she's been accused of committing an act of indecency, which is a horrible thing, thing to do, especially if you're the wife of the Prophet. Then everybody left me. Even the cat that used to come into my room and eat, even the cat didn't want to have anything to do with me, subhanAllah. And then she says, the verses were revealed, Ayatul Ifk, the Holy Prophet came and exonerated Aisha. That's their version of the story. But again, I just want to use that because it's binding for them. Then Rasulullah came and he read the verses. Aisha is now exonerated. She has now been made publicly made innocent of the crimes that she's been accused of. Then after she heard those verses, she said to the Prophet Thanks to God, no thanks to you. Abu Bakr said to Aisha, is that how you speak to the Prophet of God? She said, yes, that's how I speak to him. So, if some of the wives of the Prophet were disrespectful to Rasulullah no surprises there and no prizes for guessing who would be the one to do that. But for Fatima to speak to the Prophet in this manner is simply unheard of, number one. Number two, the Prophet says to Fatima, why what's going on? Why are you so upset? She says to him that Ali has proposed to the daughter of Abu Jahl. He wants to marry her and I can't have that. So now the Prophet responds, by giving an entire sermon to all of these Muslims. I mean, you'd think that this would be a domestic dispute. It's something between the Prophet, his daughter, and his son-in-law. Why would the Prophet make this public? Is this the right thing to do? If anybody else did that, wouldn't you say, well, this is inappropriate? This is highly inappropriate. 
Why make these, why air dirty laundry, so to speak? But let's just go with this lie. Rasulullah then gives a sermon. In that sermon, he praises another one of his sons-in-law, right? A person who had married one of the daughters, whether it was the Prophet's daughter, Khadija's daughters, it doesn't matter. The Prophet praises that person. His name was Abu al-As. He says, Abu al-As was such a good man. Abu al-As was truthful. Abu al-As made a promise to me and he never broke it. Okay, fine. What's the Prophet trying to say? He then says, I have heard that Ali wants to marry Ibn Abi Talib. He doesn't even mention him by his first name. He wants to marry the daughter of Abu Jahl. But the daughter of God's friend, meaning him, the Prophet, and the daughter of God's enemy can never be united together, be joined together under one roof. The Prophet says, I will not see this happen. Then he says, Because I'm afraid that Fatima will lose her religion. If her husband marries another woman, then Fatima's religion is at stake. Now, let me ask a question. The Prophet deems it perfectly appropriate to marry multiple, multiple wives, and he's not afraid for the religiosity of his wives, but suddenly he's afraid that the mistress of the women of the world's the leader of the women of paradise, as the Sunnis have reported, suddenly she's going to lose her religion? If Amir al-Mu'mineen marries another wife? So it's an insult to Fatima. It's an insult to Ali. And it's an insult to Rasulullah. Why? Because the Prophet then says, that while I will not make something halal, and turn it into haram, but I will not have that. Here's my question. How could the Prophet prevent something that is halal. If getting married to the daughter of Abu Jahl is halal in Islamic law, because she wasn't a mushrik, Abu Jahl was a mushrik, his daughter became a Muslim. So what's the big deal? If Ali marrying the daughter of Abu Jahl was halal, then I'd, I'd hate to say it, but I'm, I'm just using this kind of rhetoric to address their lies and, and, and deceptions then what right does anyone have to make something which is halal into haram? Isn't this an insult to Rasulullah? As well as the airing of the dirty laundry and so on and so forth. So in one hadith, look at what they do. One hadith. By the way, very briefly, this hadith is reported by only three individuals. You'd think the Prophet giving a sermon making all of this public, exposing this entire thing to all of the Muslims who had gathered at the masjid, you'd think that a good 20, 30 people would report it. Whereas you only have three individuals. One of them is Abu Huraira, And we all know what kind of scum this person was. He was such a liar that even Umar, and who reports this? It's Ibn Abi al-Hadid in his Sharh. Najil Balagha, he says, uh, he, and he reports it from a scholar called Al-Iskafi. He says that Umar one day beat Abu Huraira with his scepter. You know the royal scepter that they hold, a stick? He beat him over the head. And he said to him, لَقَدْ أَكْثَرْتَ الْحَدِيثَ I mean, come on, bro. I get it. You're a liar. You're a cheater. You're 
someone who concocts and fabricates hadiths and attributes them to the Holy Prophet because the guy who imports Basal Akka happens to pay you a uh, handsome commission. I get that. But for you to lie about every single thing and F left, right, and center, you're attributing false hadith to the Prophet. Cut it out, man. Just shut up, be quiet, get out of here. I know who you are, so don't make me do anything more than this. This is Abu Hurairah. He was an individual who wasn't even there in Medina. He was in Bahrain at the time. From the time the Holy Prophet passed away a few years prior to that, to the time that the Prophet had passed, Abu Hurairah wasn't even around. So that's Abu Hurairah. The second person who reports this hadith, the other two were enemies of Ali ibn Abi Talib. So what else do you expect? One of them was Abdullah ibn Az-Zubair. Abdullah ibn Az-Zubair was the one who refused. He was the governor of Medina for about a year, right? Before he was eventually killed when Yazid sent a Muslim ibn Uqba and he catapulted the Kaaba and he killed him. For about a year, he was the governor of Medina and Mecca. During those times... Uh, Abdullah ibn Zubair refused to mention the name of Rasulullah or send salawat upon the Holy Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. So, فَلَمَّا أَعَابَ عَلَيْهِ ذَلِكَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ When Muslims objected, they said, what's wrong with you? Even Muawiyah mentions the Prophet's name. Because he wants to make sure that the lie is more palatable. But you not even mentioning the Prophet's name or sending your salawat, I mean, that's just... It's weird, it doesn't make any sense, and you claim to be related to the Prophet, right? Because his father was the Prophet's cousin. But he had another problem, because his grandfather was who? His aunt from his mother's side was Aisha. So that kind of tells you all you need to know. This person, he said to them, the reason I don't send my salawat I don't mention the Prophet's name because he's got these bad family members, meaning the Ahlul Bayt who are who feel proud if I mention their grandfather's name. This guy concocts a hadith attributing this lie to Amir al-Mu'mineen What else do you expect? Let's not be naive, brothers and sisters. Let's not buy into all these lies that have been perpetuated for hundreds and hundreds of years.